0: Folks, if you live in Chico or gosh darn it, anywhere near Chico, drive yourself on over to the handlebar. They're a craft beer bar and restaurant located on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street. And they have, if I do say so myself, one of the best craft beer happy hours in town. It's seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They also have a fantastic food menu, great cocktails, bottles of wine if you're interested in that sort of thing. Again, that's the handlebar right here in Chico on the south end of town, 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin?
1: This is Fresh Hop Cinema.
0: Yes, it is Fresh Hop Cinema. A show about the worlds of craft beer and film. I am Max Minardi. Sup, Johnny Summers here. This week on the show, our review of All Quiet on the Western Front, a new film from German director Edward Berger based on the 1919 novel, focusing on the grim realities of the trench warfare of World War One and the war machines that kept the wheels of combat turning. If you haven't seen it yet, fear not, you can use our upcoming spoiler-free discussion to decide whether or not you want to. But first, Johnny, what are we drinking this week? This week, we have two beers from Eel River Brewing out of Fortuna, California. The first is called Emerald Triangle. It's a dry hopped IPA. And the second is called Midnight Rider. It is a West Coast double IPA. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, though, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of All Quiet on the Western Front. But... If you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for All Quiet, a second beer review, and the always titillating segment dubbed Hot and Bothered, Johnny will tell you what to do. Yeah, you're going to go to... Uh, go search for Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. Whatever your favorite podcast app is. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7am and have been doing so since 2016. If you like us or the show, feel free to leave a 5-star rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. And please let us know you did. To hang with us on the social medias, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd or Untapped. Or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. And if all that's not enough, you can also support our show with your hard-earned cash on Patreon. It's a way for uh, you to support us on an incremental uh, basis based on our episodes that we release. You can give us $1 to $10 per episode. And in return, we give you fun peeks behind the production curtain. We do bonus episodes. We do bar hangs here in town, which technically are available to anybody in Patreon. So I know we got some people from out of town. You're welcome to drive here. We'll buy, we might even buy you two beers if you come that far. Um, and we do all sorts of fun stuff we just had a bar hang a couple weeks ago which was a blast Um, scheduling is not going to work out this month to have one which is a bummer but i promise we're coming back full swing in december we will drink and be merry uh we should do a uh something remote like another movie watch along or something this would be fun yeah there's a lot of stuff that is coming to streaming soon that i'm really excited about well maybe Um, let's pick one yeah and and look at some books and do something. I don't think we've done one of those in, in definitely many moons. Yeah. Uh, I always get more hammered when we do those than when we do like bar hangs. That's, you know, that's probably for the best. You're in the safety of your own home, you know, uh, don't try to stick al- stickers on walls and places. Yeah, we're all, we're not stealing people's phones, trying to give ourselves five-star ratings. I'm proud of that. I stand by. I should have joined her on Patreon. as I should have done. Uh, no, that's like theft. It's theft. It's theft. Yeah. Anyways, all those hijinks and more. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Am I missing any key ingredients to the to the Patreon uh, recipe? We'll just like you more. And, and it's been scientifically True. proven that if you give us money on Patreon, you're smarter. Than Karma goes up. Yep. Your, karma, your karma score, not your credit score, your actual karma score goes up. Yeah. So like all good things. Credit karma. Yeah, I didn't want to trademark that one, but yes. Okay, that's housekeeping out of the way, Johnny. Let's get into beers. You've picked these out. Um, where, where to Give me the whole give me the whole as you dig it out of the, the loudest ice seller ever that I can never just edit around, so I just talk over while you pick it out. Yes, Great. open, please. All right. Yeah, so I was uh, doing my job today, and I was selling beer around town. I was doing the downtown route. Just walking from bar to bar, and uh, ended up at Burgers and Brew, and I was hanging out, shooting the breeze with Trevor and Nick, and was talking with uh, a guy that sat down next to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up being the rep for Eel River. So big shout out, Tony Jelke. He is the Eel River met, uh, Eel River rep yeah. that I met today. I feel like I am a rapper. This is good. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, he is an avid podcast enthusiast. He's soon to be our biggest fan. Is he actually a really? Yeah, he, a he was listener? like stoked because he's like, you know the job. We're on the road all the time. I'm oh, always sure. looking for new content. Stoked to check your stuff out. Uh, he is a slinger of the finest organic ales and supplier of both beers for the show this week. I was like, hey man, because he was bringing right. in, he was bringing in <laughs> samples and we were trying beer that he was wanting to get on draft uh-huh. in the course of his profession. And I said, well, if you're going out to the car for X Y Z samples for burgers and brew, all right? Why don't you give me some FHC samples? And he's like, why? I'm like, I told him what we are, who we are, what we do. And he Wait, said, I'm sorry, you just, asked, you, you just asked for samples before you told him that you did this. You're like, uh-huh. can I have free beer if you're yeah, going out Yeah, I was there? like, if you're going out there, bring me a couple. And he's like, really? Why for? I'm like, do you just like our beer? I'm like, yeah, for one, I do. But sure. also, here's why. And he's like, whoa, that's more publicity than Eel Rivers had in Northern California, <laughs> maybe ever. Uh, that's great, man. Okay, cool. So did you try the beer, either of the two beers? Yes, One or two. I'm familiar with Emerald Triangle. I actually Mm -hmm. used to sell Eel River when I worked at Sicani. Um, And then he was sampling the guys at Burgers and Brew on our second beer of the show today, uh, Midnight Rider. And I was actually able to sample that. So, yeah, I am going in pre-sampled. I'm going to look at it with fresh eyes because I was shining them on about how terrible it was. No, just kidding. Uh, But yes, I did try that. I've had this before. I'm stoked because I don't think we've ever done anything of theirs on the show. We might have done- dude, we have It was a Thor's Hammer. It was Thor. It was the Thor movies episode 49. It was Ragnarok. I don't know why I know it. And right after that, we did a 49 and a half. And I can't remember why I remember that either, but I do. All right. And I don't know if that's sticking out. We can find out what our scores were on those beers. But for better or for worse, I do remember we've done it. Yeah, wasn't it Thor's Hammer and Odin's Raven? Oh, you're saying the beer was called Thor's Hammer? Yeah. Um- Maybe I recall was it one was, like a huge yeah. barley wine. Yes, is that that? Yeah, maybe, dude. So, anyways, they would been many moons, yeah. and uh, I mean, no, it's literally been I think four years. Yeah, so it's time. It was very fortuitous okay. that I ran into to him. Fortunatus. Fortunatus. Hey. All right. Yeah. So stoked. Stoked to try these. Have you ever had either of these beers? No. I for some so the Emerald Triangle can that we have in front of us looks pretty familiar to me. There's um what's the uh, what's the um the thing this year no one's gonna get this except maybe you the thing in that country made a glass that looks like this it's a big landmark tourists go to see it and i will think of it when i stop Mm. trying is it in singapore no Mm. no i'll think of it in a second there's this big glass triangle on the front it's mostly green and then behind it is a bunch of hops and it says in big bold letters almost golden colored emerald triangle and it says made with organic grains I have seen this label, I'm almost positive. Okay. Um, but I don't think I've actually had the beer. So no, I guess in that sense, it is unfamiliar to me, but I'm hoping that either you or our friend Tony can um, tell me something about it. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of background on the brewery as well. Uh, Eel River is America's first certified organic brewery. Not true. Yeah, well, I guess it must be, it's on the internet. Yeah, no, it's it's true. They were, they were organic back when I was selling them and they're the first apparently, so that's pretty cool. <clears throat> Uh, Eel River Brewing Company, they, from their website, I will read, Yeah, sure. we're Eel River Brewing Company, and we've blazed a trail in the craft brew industry over the past 20 years, continuing our unfailing commitment to quality, taste, and consistency is our diverse offerings, wow, I just forgot how to read for a second, <laughs> <clears throat> is our diverse offerings of excellent craft beer, much like the tenacious people, who brew it? Our beer is award winning, edgy, different, daring, and spirited. And as you're going to love it and drink it. <clears throat> I love what's going on today with I'm you. I'm sorry. I'm it's just great. trying to get you to try the beer while Oh, was that what's going- Well, yeah. I had one more thing to add. Okay. So I was going to actually make you try yeah. it first, but keep doing it. And, I thought your finger was just kind of. And like- you're going to love it. Sure. And also, yeah, drink, and drink it. it a little bit. Yeah, drink some. Yeah, right. Uh, Emerald Triangle is the beer that we were trying first. This is. Up there with their flagship beers, and this is me talking here now. Right. Uh Blondale Amber and uh, an IPA are okay. kind of their two, their three. Mm-hmm. But then Emerald Triangle was the one for me that was always really shined above. Okay, it's been a long time since I've had it. Haven't had it fresh, maybe in four or five, six years, somewhere in that range. Uh, so Emerald Triangle. Yeah. From their website, it is a bold West Coast style IPA, bursting with pine and citrus notes, supported by a solid malt backbone. Hopped and dry hopped with Magnum, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Simcoe. All right, um, really quickly, I was when you said that they were the America's first certified organic. I was going to ask if you knew uh, when they were founded, and and I, just in case you didn't, I was going to offer you to take a guess. If you had if you had to guess, when do you think it ever came about? I want to say like ninety eight. That's I should just like, all right, now. everybody stay tuned because in 30 minutes, we're going to reveal the answer. 95. Okay. Yeah. So not far off. That's I. for some reason in my brain, they're not that established. They're not like not, they're not like a new brewery in my brain or anything. That's, you know, they've been going for a while. They've been been around. They were on the the forefront. Uh, Great. This beer is super good. It's, it's good. I actually shouldn't have said super yet. I've only had one sip, but my first impression uh, was that it's, it's a very solid West Coast IPA. I don't think you said this, but it is 6.7%. So right in that sweet spot for kind of a single IPA. This has quite a few hops, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take my second drink and try to peel apart some of those layers and see if I can pick out any in particular because I'm worried it might run the risk of um, having the hop mashup problem. Mm. But we'll see, what do you think of it? I think it presents a really nice uh, drinking experience. I think it's very pleasant. It's bright, hoppy, it's punchy, it's got malt, but a lot of beers from that era, you know, from breweries that started mm-hmm. in the late 90s, uh, have a habit of putting too much malt in their IPAs Mm -hmm. and I'm happy to say that this one is very well balanced and the malt is not overbearing. It's present. It adds to the overall experience, but it is definitely not a malt forward IPA, which thank God, uh, I like it. I think it's a really solid West coast. It's a great everyday beer. This is something that I used to have around all the time, uh, back when I sold it. Mm Uh, and I think it's a very worthwhile thing to go for if you're in the mood for just a very traditional, upstanding West Coast IPA. Agreed. It's super bitter on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than just your average West Coast, I think. I agree with you. It's not malty. It's not heavy either. Mm-hmm. I'm almost wishing there was a little bit more oomph to the body. It's it's not that it's drinking thin necessarily, but it, it feels like it's leaving a little bit to be desired for me to the point that that bitter and comes in kind of strong. Uh, But I'm enjoying it so far. And to report back, I have not noticed necessarily like a muddy mashup of hop flavors, which is good. That's good. Because I was worried about that. Anytime we get over like three hops in a beer, I'm like, "Mm, all right, start to get a little worried. Yeah, you also, to some extent, need to justify why you're doing that. just to to list the hops again, they were they were Magnum, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Simcoe. I'm not as familiar with Magnum. I might look up sort of a flavor wheel for what to expect there. But yeah, uh, uh, I, I read the list and I saw your, your skeptical Pacey well, Jeremiah kicking Nice, in. dude. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's good. It's not blowing me away yet. I'm gonna have the other maybe two ounces in my glass, but I'm I'm pleased with what I'm drinking. Yeah, this was almost too cold too when I busted it out of the cooler. Like I don't know about that. Well, yeah. Why no, would Coors Light advertise drinking beer cold if it wasn't supposed to be this cold, dude? Because there's no depth of flavor to yeah. that with this. Like, um, I've noticed even within the first like five sips that a little bit more sweetness is coming out, which kind of really offsets that mm-hmm. the bitterness. So Like ice cold IPAs, they seem to be more bitter. I think you get a more full bouquet of flavor Mm -hmm. uh, as they're, you know, I like ice cold beers, but I think if you're going to really evaluate it, it should be slightly warmer, like in like the, the 48 to 52 degree well, range you can appreciate what i'm doing then with my yeah. glass at this second you're, you're, just I'm not, I'm not you describe it <laughs> your cup in the cup <laughs> a little tiny cup so i'm just kind of holding it in my palm by the way call back to a thing that i thought was a good idea back in the day and, and still think it's great we need to trademark or, or sorry patent a cup that has a built-in thermometer mm. that that accurately tracks the temperature of a beverage all the way to the bottom 100 and I don't. I'm sure it's applicable to other things, but certainly with beer, like so you can know as your beer is evolving. Nobody steal this idea. I really do feel like this is a good idea. Yeah, I feel like that could be incorporated in like the Cicerone program or something. Maybe. where you're like really fully evaluating the depth of flavors and like yeah to be able to describe a beer and how it changes with temperature, specifically with mm-hmm. stouts and darker beers. Sure. Uh, but even with with certain like IPAs, like yeah. there's gonna be different stuff at different temperatures. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know like what this beer came out of of the cooler at. Right, me like, too. Yeah, uh, maybe the idea of like having mercury in a glass near your mouth is not super great. I well, know they for make but... like like meat thermometers that are like metal. They also make thermometers that go in your mouth and or your butt. So, yeah, you know. We well, can figure it out. We're not going to use either of those for our, <laughs> Just our drop beer it though. In the drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, mine is warmed up. I'm gonna drink it again. I've been I've been cradling it for about a minute. Do it. Give it a little swirl, give it the full mouth evaluation. It's good, man. It's good. It might the bitterness isn't really going anywhere for me. I could maybe be swayed into believing there's a little bit more sweetness, but not much. I like this for the fact that it's a West Coast IPA that has that hot punch that doesn't have so much body that it's gonna. Mm-hmm. fill me up like mm-hmm. I could drink three of these 16 ounce cans no problem like yeah. and I wouldn't get sick of it and a lot of beers that we do even in the lighter like single West Coast mm-hmm. category it's like eight ounces yep. we split a can and even that's like all right, yeah, all right. we're good I'm good. I've had enough uh, but this is something that I think is um, enjoyable for a longer duration and more amount of ounces okay Emerald Triangle out of 10 Johnny Summers out of 10 it's a solid like seven five for me yeah, it's a seven for me. Totally, uh, totally reasonable, respectable ratings. I think once again, if you don't know, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, if you get the chance to try Emerald Triangle. Oh, which is a question. I'm gonna cut that off briefly. Do is it available around town? Like yes. he's selling it, so it's in places. Mm-hmm. It's in Chico yeah. and probably between here and Humboldt yeah, County. You can get the cans around. Oh okay, sure. Great. Uh if you do let us know what you think. The easiest way to get a hold of us probably is to take a photo of yourself drinking that beer. Tag us uh, on your Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Yeah. Do you think we got Emerald Triangle wrong? Do you think we got it right? Or do you have a beer that you think we should review or a brewery that you love that we've never covered? Maybe it's your brewery. Maybe. Well, message us on Instagram. We'll drink your beer. It's not hard. If you want to give us free beer, we will drink it and review it. Scout's honor. We will give you that. It's a service we provide. Uh, So send an email or, like we said, an Instagram. Uh, Email us at fhccast at gmail.com and let us know. And, hey, if you like the show, don't forget to leave us only five-star rating reviews on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds and it helps spread this here holy gospel. Up next is a trailer for this week's movie, All Quiet on the Western Front, but do not worry, there are no spoilers in the next segment.
1: <laughs> Congratulations, Private we for going to the front. Dead man walking. You stand here on the threshold of existence. Remember this moment. It is a great moment. For in years to come, you will be judged based on what you dare to become today. The Iron Youth of Germany. My friends, we are fortunate to be alive at a great time. Your deeds will be the water nourishing the growth of a strong and noble root. Stand still and listen up, Leinemann. The Kaiser needs soldiers, not children. I am certain that I will see most of you again soon. Here at home, your sword returned to its scabbard with honor and respect. A cross crafted from iron proudly displayed upon your chest. However, take heed of this. In the darkest of hours, let me assure you it will happen that prior to an attack, you will harbor doubts. But this is not the time to concede to any mental weakness. Any unsteadiness, any hesitation, is a betrayal of the Fatherland. For modern war is like a game of chess. It is never about an individual soldier. Our only care is for the entirety of the body. You have the chance to earn the right to wear the uniforms you have been given. And by going to the front line in Flanders, we'll pierce the enemy. And then you will, in a few short weeks, finally march on Paris! Our future, the future of Deutschland, Lies in the hands of its greatest generation. My friends, that is you, you see! Yeah! Therefore, off to the camps for the Kaiser, God, and the Fatherland!
0: Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today, right now. But if you want to hear the whole thing, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It will be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of me and good old Max, Go have a listen. What you just heard was a trailer for All Quiet on the Western Front. Right, which is a film that in America first screened at the Toronto International Film Festival in September before releasing on Netflix at the end of October. It's a World War I era story based on a novel of the same name, which was written in 1919. If you're shaky on your history, that's just a year after the war had ended. And the author, Eric Maria Remarque, wrote it after having returned from the front lines himself, which I didn't know. Uh, And it was shortly thereafter in 1930, turned into a feature length film, which became the first ever film based on a novel to win an Academy Award for Best Picture. Also, fittingly, the 2022 film has been submitted to this year's Academy Awards as Germany's selection for Best International Film. Now, almost 100 years later, the story is being told again by the German director, Edward Berger The tale follows eager army recruit Paul Baumer, played by Felix Kammerer in his feature film debut, as he and his friends enlist in the German army with dreams of becoming heroes. He, alongside millions of other soldiers, soon find themselves on the front lines, and we as the audience get to spend the next two hours and 27 minutes with Paul as he fights for survival. Now, some things about that plot description might sound a lot like another World War I movie that came out recently, that being Sam Mendes' film 1917. Uh, It could also sound like a lot of war movies. In general, when you think about it, there's been no shortage of films in Hollywood over the last hundred years or so, attempting to proclaim the glorious tales of battle from the perspective of a would-be hero. In most of those movies, by the end, the good guy wins, and the bad guys have all been killed in fun, blockbusting ways. And herein lies the distinction between those films and All Quiet on the Western Front. This movie makes no attempt to glorify the atrocities of war. It's a staunchly anti-warm film. Anti-warm? It's a very cold movie. That's not <laughs> untrue. Anti-war film. Uh, contrary to the famous Francois Truffaut quote that says, every film about war ends up being pro war Maybe war is not my word today. Edward Berger, true to the source material, makes every effort to shine a light on the gruesome realities of trench warfare in World War I, the nature of war itself and has absolutely no problem pointing the finger at who's to blame. Mm-hmm. Johnny, what'd you think of this? I thought it was big. It was gray. It was very dystopian and it pulled no punches uh, in regards to the grim reality of war, particularly trench mm-hmm. warfare. Uh, I enjoyed that. It was a very pragmatic film. It it felt like it took a very honest look at you know, war and the machines that keep those wheels turning Mm -hmm. and just very raw and honest and personal. There were no heroes in this movie, which I loved. There were no villains. There were no heroes. It was a very personal film about war and soldiers and the implications of that in people's personal lives. And, you know, it had an agenda, but it didn't feel like it had an agenda because I think we can all universally agree that world wars are not good so it felt like it didn't really need to push that in a way that was heavy-handed i personally and i want to hear your take on this i loved the score of this there was these deep like synth drops that happened a bunch in this movie and it really just shouted out like this orwellian dystopia love that it just sunk me into such a vibe of like it felt past and it felt present and it felt future all at the same time. And it was conveying these universal messages of death and despair and war and, you know, politicians pushing war and warmongering soldiers pushing people onto the battlefield when they themselves are in a chalet eating and drinking and smoking. And there was this great dichotomy in that. And, it was very thought-provoking, very sobering, and told from a perspective that was uniquely un- um, not un-American, but not not American. American. Yeah, which I think is refreshing when it comes to war movies because there was no hero, and it was not a quest for glory. Mm-hmm. It was, it was honest, and I really, really liked it. Give me an out of ten. Eight nine. 8.9, just shy of the nine. Let me jot that down really quickly here. 8.9 for Johnny Summers. Here's what I think. I think ultimately, number one, I like this movie a lot. I also really liked 1917. I didn't mean to set that up as like the the most offensive pro-war movie. I think we can have a candid discussion about movies that are very much, certainly from an American perspective, kind of touting the the glories of like the American... Hero fighting against the nameless hordes of, um, at least in the last 20 years, like Middle Eastern men, that sort of thing. Um, And this movie does not do any of that, which I really love. And neither did 1917. Um, It was more brutal than I was expecting. I watched it today. um, Just, you know, just casual Wednesday. Didn't quite know what to expect. Um, So it was heavy. But I think it's an important film. I think it really knows what it's trying to say. I think some of those messages come across a little heavy handed, particularly with stuff um, when we get off of the battlefront and, and see kind of behind the scenes of high command. And most of the people there really literally do have large mustaches that are basically being twirled most of the time. But as heavy handed as that is, it's a, it's, I get it. Like, great. Just hammer us over the head with it. It's, it's crazy. So many people died. This movie ends with some statistics about world war one and it really hits home. And I remember learning this in school, like, The front line, the the Western front that they're fighting on, over the course of the four years of the war moved like – do you remember the the statistic? 100 yards. Like meters. Yeah. And millions of people were dying every day just to get a little further. And it's easy to want to make and watch movies about the – like America has saviors in there and, and kind of disregard everybody else that was fighting there. And it's important to tell those stories and it sucks to watch. It was not a... It bummed me out. This movie is a big, big bummer. Yeah. But it's important. I think it's well told. It's well... It looks great. There's some great uh, usage of uh, space in this movie. There's some really wide shots and there's some really, really tight claustrophobic stuff. And it's this give and take between like hope and optimism and freedom with claustrophobia and terror and just being in the muck of it it's it's really great man i, I like this a lot i think it's one of the best movies i've seen this year and we're in in october or we're in november uh and we've seen a fair amount this year and this is this is going to be up there for me i think yeah um I, I mean it's a it's a solid nine for me do you feel good about your rating yeah i was thinking about changing it but i'm gonna stick with it okay um well then, we've got a li- a little bit of time here. How do you want to proceed? I know we can't spoil too much. It's um, it's not like a necessarily a plot driven movie in the sense that we're yeah. like revealing twists, but still want to dance a little bit. I did enjoy the fact that instead of having like a large cast of characters where we needed to develop multiple players or multiple soldiers like in this platoon or whatever, it kind of broke that mold of stereotypical Mm -hmm. war Mm -hmm. films and really focused on an individual. Mm -hmm. And I think it um, made it feel like, like I was, I use the word personal quite a few times. Like it made it feel very experiential. Like you're, you're Mm -hmm. following this is one man's perspective. It's not, we're not band of brothers. This is what it's like for one person. And I, I really enjoyed that because it was so different yeah, dude. So one of the things that I loved about this movie is starting off, we, we don't spend the initial maybe, I don't know, seven minutes of the movie does not follow our main character, Paul. Mm-hmm. It's a different kid. And we get very intertwined with his story at first. And that guy, I think this is okay to say, he dies Yeah, pretty quick. Within the first seven minutes. Yeah, like the the entire opening. And then his uniform gets handed to our guy, and like the tag is ripped off. And like, that's a great (sighs) shot when he drops the tag, and there's all the tags on the floor. There were so many great shots like that. So many. Um, And like, we had to pause within the first 10 minutes of this movie and have like a discussion of how much you're going to drink during the course of the movie. No, it was more like, what would it have been like? Because they had those laundry slash like tailoring. Man. Factories. Just can you imagine? Like this movie pulled no punches, like gut punch right at, out the gate where this you see this young man get killed Ugh. and then his uniform stripped from his body and then sent yep. to this like Ugh. laundry to Dude. be washed. And there's these, the giant vats of mm. just bloody, bloody uniform, soapy water. And they're all barehanded in there just That's washing gross. them. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, like, imagine what that room smells like. I know. I actually had that exact thought when they were loading those those um, you know fabrics and uniforms and all that in the big bags onto the train the from the battlefield. Yeah. I love how they shot that too because it doesn't you don't spend a lot of time. There's no soundtrack that makes you feel like you should be mourning it. It's just very routine. This is this is what happens. Yeah, it was very uh, presentary. There, there's a that's bullet that's hole in yeah. this in this uniform. We're going to patch it up. We're going to give it to this new kid. Send him on his way. That theme comes back later too, which is great as well. Um, and before we run out of time here for our radio listeners, I want to touch on the soundtrack thing you mentioned. There is is this like really hefty synth, almost horn kind of. Yeah, it was very like Blade Runner twenty forty nine Yeah, it was it was it was far and away not part of this time period. And at first, I thought they were gonna do the thing where like a director will choose a modern song to throw in there, like or I thought it was gonna be like Marilyn Manson's like Sweet Dreams or something. I was like, yeah. no, 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 don't do it. And then it was just this motif that kept coming back in crucial moments throughout the movie, but really sets the tone. Yeah. Brutal stuff, man. it added so much. I think that was a great choice yeah um and there's there's some musical stuff that goes on throughout, but it's it's um more score than soundtrack certainly I don't think there's any vocal stuff that happens ever no. um really heavy movie, yeah uh, all choices that worked well for the end product hundred percent. do you got anything else on this for now? no. All right. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Again, All Quiet on the Western Front is currently streaming on Netflix. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram, again, at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Or you can send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for All Quiet on the Western Front, a review of that second beer from Eel River, and our Hot and Bothered segment, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone.
1: Danger Zone. 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 <laughs> Danger zone
0: rolling in. Welcome to the Danger Zone. It's a part of the podcast where we spoil our movie of the week that is all quiet on the Western Front if you're just jumping over uh, or you're listening out of time for some reason. That's what we're talking about. And if we're going to spoil how World War One ended right. for you, you need to read more. All right. Do you remember, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I feel it's okay because I also don't know the answer to this. Do you know why it was started? What were we fighting uh, about? The assassination of, of, of Franz Ferdinand. 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 But, but, yeah. but why? Uh, it was, uh, I want to say territorial disputes or it, tr- uh, maybe trade. I'm not. Mistaken. That's. I feel like that's you're covering your bases for like 80 percent of votes. Yeah. No, because he was a very important figure that was about to be elected or something. Yeah. Like. All that to say, he's an no. archduke specifically. No, I do not know. I why. don't either. And it got me thinking because they. This is getting into it. Like, I listened to a great podcast about it, but I cannot recall mm-hmm. any of it. Then was it a great podcast? Yeah, it was very well, informative, okay. and I just didn't retain it. Okay. <laughs> um this movie hits you over the head a lot with who's sending these people to their death. Mm -hmm. But I think awesome. It's maybe not the most, you know, artistic or, or suave way of delivering their message, but I, you know what? Fuck it. These people should be indicted and pointed out. Well, and and nothing about these times or this combat was suave or slick. I mean, it was a very blunt force, uh, era. Sure. Politically and warfare wise. Yeah. Um, I can't. I think I was gonna just start talking about that whole the theme of of sort of rich wealthy wealthy kind of uh, people that are very detached from more sending people in. Right. I don't know why the war was started. The people fighting the war don't know why they're doing it. There's like you got to go. And in the case of our main character, it's like I'm gonna achieve glory, and immediately it's like I think one of them says like this isn't what I pictured. Yeah. Yeah, and you had these moments of their you know from signing up. And joining their whole training was basically here's a uniform, here's a gun, get in this truck, which is again breaking the mold of stereotypical war Mm movies that we know. That status quo of there's going to be a training montage, you know, you have to go through basic and then you bond with all your people in your troop. No, and and in this World War and this Mm -hmm. encounter, it was very hey, we need more bodies at the front, we need more cannon fodder essentially, and it was. Really shocking because they're on the truck, like in the back of a truck going to the front line. We're there. Like learning how to clean their guns. Like it was, I felt so bad for them so quickly. Dude, and in that scene where they are signing up and they're getting all their gear, it's shot from like a bird's eye view a lot of the time. And we're just like, look at all of these, what are they, 18, 19 year old kids? Yeah. Just going and- And And excited about it. And made worse by the one- Of many douchebags here, who's like some colonel of something. He's like, "This is your chance for glory. You're gonna come. You're gonna be storming France in weeks. Go out there and you know fight for your country." Fuck you, man. Yeah, let's let's talk about this movie being in German. Oh yeah. So I didn't actually know that at first. And then I was like looking, I was like, something's wrong with this sinking." And then, so I flipped it over. Yeah. To, to yeah. the OG subs, not dubs, baby. Yeah. Um, which yeah. changed the whole thing, by the way, it changes the whole experience yeah. when you realize not, not just the the language it's spoken in, but where, where it comes from culturally, like that shifts a lot. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head earlier when you're like, this isn't an American perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the training montage part that you mentioned a second ago, but there's also a tendency. Do you remember, um, Lone survivor? Mm-hmm. It's a Mark Wahlberg, I think. Uh, about a bunch of navy seals. That movie kicks off with um I think some like real life footage because it's based on a true story. So immediately like we are being aligned with with the navy seals, which I think is probably fair uh to some extent uh at least at that point in the movie. And then it cuts to kind of the montage you're talking about, I think. Uh they might be doing some boot camp stuff or and this part's for sure. It like they like are sitting around drinking beer and like talking about sports and like You know, they're they're just like American boys. Mm -hmm. And then the first interaction we get with, quote, unquote, big, big quotes, like hostiles. Like some dude chops off a woman's head with a machete and like you can't see. And they're like screaming and there's like crazy music coming in. where It's like bum, 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 bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. Uh, And it's just so heavy handed and very, very American. I think Mm -hmm. particularly with like Middle Eastern conflict over the past. I don't even know what the first movie to address that was. But we've never really done a good job about it. No, it's too soon. Maybe Black Hawk Down. Was that about the Middle East? Yeah, that I, was, my no brain that, that up was uh, World War Two. No, II movie. that was in uh, that was Africa, I believe. Was it? I don't actually. I don't, I'm not sure. I've seen it, but um, Josh Hartnett. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Anyways, so it was really refreshing for me to be able to reset my brain. Like, oh, we're like we're potentially telling a very different story. Yeah. My dumbass also didn't realize it was World War One at first. Mm. I thought it was World War Two, and then I was like, wow, a World War Two story from the German perspective. I can't imagine how I'm going to be on their side, but let's see. What yeah, that's a happens. different movie. For <laughs> sure. I get why why there's no director from Germany that's made that movie. Yet. Yeah. It's like, we're the good guys. Yeah. Wow. No, that won't happen. Yeah. No, but I did enjoy that perspective and. uh I like that they never got very political with the soldiers as far as like why they're fighting. Like Mm -hmm. there wasn't once in this movie, any German soldier really proclaimed to know why they were killing Frenchmen. Like, you know, it wasn't really. And that level of, you know, ignorance at the front line kind of was another factor in this whole thing. Yeah. And it was this whole war machine. It's literally just, you don't know why it's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Like the more I think about this, the crazier it seems. We're there's literally both sides are just throwing people at people mm-hmm. and they're just banking. Like, I guess the more people, whichever side has the more people is going to win, Let's I guess. Throw more people. Let's at just it. send them. And there's so many scenes in this movie where people are hiding in a trench and then somebody higher up is like, go. And all the soldiers are like, I guess we got to go. And then die, die, yep. die, dead. And they just keep doing it. And I I can't I'm can't, God forbid I'm ever in that situation I don't know what I'd do I guess I'd go I probably everybody goes I'd probably go well yeah I and mean I would later, die immediately later on in the film they shot people that didn't want to go that pissed me off that mm-hmm. ending we'll get to the ending in a minute though yeah. God that made me mad um, There's a scene that I really loved um, there it's like. They're not on the battlefield. They're kind of in between battles at this point. And it's our main guy and another guy sitting on a toilet, which is just a board with a hole over like a six-inch. Trench? Splashing, everywhere, yeah. I assume. Um, but our not main character cannot read, and he got a letter from his wife, so, so Paul reads it to him. And it's this really sweet letter at first, and then we find out that his son is dead. He knew that. It was like his infant boy, so his wife is going to the son's grave to read to him because he always loved that. It made me so sad um read to him read i heard read redo him no read read to her her deceased son at his grave while her husband's off fighting in this war yeah and at this point in the movie like you've seen so much we're going to talk about like the visual gruesomeness of this too because it's not just like guys run to the trench and then the camera looks at the sky and there's a bird flying overhead very visual um but after that letter is read the guy's kind of fantasizing about like you know like this isn't so bad. Like maybe I can just stay here with my comrades and we can sit around eating potatoes during the war. And I like that they explored cause he, he has some more time too, that we get to know him, but they explore like, it's not, there's these quiet moments in this movie where it's not just throwing people and watching murder. Like you explore the psychology of, of kind of why some of these men are there and why this guy maybe doesn't even want to leave. Like it's better than going home to this nightmare that's happened with his son. I don't very complex emotions this movie tries to tackle i think does a pretty good job yeah and it makes it way more thought-provoking than the average totally which is so so nice so refreshing um there's a great scene how familiar are you with return of the king somewhat you'll know the scene there's a scene where where faramir is charging into battle because the orcs have taken over and denethor his dad over in 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 gondor is eating food He's like eating tomatoes and like popping and like oh, really yeah. gross. You know this scene he's like shoving in his mouth and then it's like interspliced with with the horsemen charging. There's a great scene here where like the battalion's marching to the front lines and then there's like this elaborate fruit and cheese spread that the people on the train are eating. And it's like, I was like, that's a, that's a Lord of the Rings nod right there. Mm-hmm. It's not, but still. Um, the, the counterpoint of like the absurd brutality of just these men marching to their deaths and, and the elegance and extravagance rather. Uh, of the people who are like the ones that are like, I'm a born soldier, but I just missed my time. I'm, I'm a soldier though. Believe me. Yeah. Oh, this cheese looks good. Mm-hmm. Are these ugh. croissants fresh? What a ugh. little nods like that are great. They're yeah. so on the nose and like obvious, but I just, I love it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Point, point the finger at them. I love yeah. it. Exactly. Okay. Um, Where are we going? What do we want to talk about? Can we, you mentioned something about like, before we started uh about you know war movies mm-hmm. um conflict not being a pro war movie like is there anything else we haven't talked about there that you wanted to mention well i mean it was it was really blatant with its not pro war mm-hmm. themes mm-hmm. um the lack of heroes there was there was a lot of that very personal very gruesome very very violent um yeah even by like war movie standards that yeah. i've seen it was mm-hmm. it was up there with the violence like way more violent and visceral than 1917 I would say for sure yeah yeah 1917 had a lot more uh emotional connection with the characters that's the whole thing I think yeah Yeah. like and you're so invested Mm -hmm. in following and then like the situations they're in and the violence that happens feels so palpable and like just you're so much empathy is invested yeah with this it's a little bit more detached like you I never really I like the perspective was always of them as like kind of nameless soldiers, even though we're following one person, yeah. it never delved deep into his emotions. That's true. And I, but you said earlier that they don't have like a whole montage sort of thing. We're following kind of the one guy. Um, but there's kind of a crew that forms and slowly but surely those guys die. Yeah. Um, and they all have little things that make them recognize like the kid with his glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those were nice touches. Uh, especially because as those people die off you focus on like oh yeah we never got to know him or him or him they're just all dying yeah uh very effective in that way yeah it's it's a very in your face display of just like potential being thrown away yes you know yep um and there was one scene late in the movie we're kind of getting towards the end here i would say um there's a suicide in this movie i literally jotted down in my notes i wrote i don't like the way he's looking at that fork yeah It really caught me off guard and it was, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much death in this movie and for one at the end to kind of come out of nowhere and really shock and have such an impact. It hits you, right? Oh, it hit me hard. Dude. But then the camera cuts to that dude, that other guy who was laying there, who's just like still eating a soup. He took the soup from the guy that. Which is what we have been like the whole time. We've seen so many people die. Mm -hmm. We were eating soup all movie. And then one guy that we kind of, we barely know, but kind of that still gets us. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Yeah. It's the whole thing, and then another injured soldier, two beds away, grabs took his soup, <laughs> took his soup, and is eating it yeah. and watching him die. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, he wasn't gonna." Yeah, I want. Yeah, I'm he hungry. didn't need it. Yeah, just yeah, such a raw movie. Like it really does strip the viewer down to kind of a, a raw, just painful like scab of existence it's by the end it was it was and it, it sounds like we're not endorsing and that anyone should watch this movie at all but i think no, i don't no. i've i think quite the opposite what do you oh i see what you're saying yeah. yes we we do even though it sounds like we're discouraging you you have to watch it you don't have yeah. to watch it it's a very powerful but but not fun movie not fun but good like you said Great. like yeah. important so important was a word that comes up necessary um and quite frankly, accurately anti-war. Yeah. There's a scene that I think is the epitome of, of the anti-war sentiment here. And it happens on a retreat. All of the German folks are retreating. The Frenchmen are advancing. And both of our, our, our main character and a, and a Frenchman who looks to be trying to attack him fall into this little pit. And it turns into a scrabble. Our guy ends up stabbing him like six times in the chest. Mm. But the other Frenchmen are still coming. So he has to hunker down. And over the course of like, it's gotta be like a three minute scene. Yeah, they did not hurry that. That guy is coughing up blood. It is also being loud. So then our guy like shoves mud in his mouth to make him be quiet and then like tries to scramble away, but then is forced to like sit and watch this guy suffer. And then like tries to help him at the end because he remembers like, the, look, it's, and then we realize like it's, they're just people. I think it's one of the first times we've seen the French. Like for the first hour yeah. of this movie, we don't even see anybody. Dunkirk, Nolan is great because like you, know, I don't think you ever see the other side it's just like this presence Mm -hmm. and this movie builds so much tension in the first hour by like you know there's bad guys but it's not showing us like some savage other that we're supposed to be afraid of we just know that there's a threat yeah and it was never even framed as a bad guy enemy it was more just there's like an opposing force well by the people that are telling them to go out they're definitely bad guys you gotta go fight your enemy Basically, yeah but on the front lines and with all the perspective we're dealing with it's never villainized no But I also think it's it's very telling the moment we basically the first encounter we have with an enemy turns into this moment of real humanity and he's like ugh which makes it all more all the more tragic when at the end of the movie they send them back out to like take advantage of the last fifteen minutes before a truce yeah that guy's speech the way they shot that whatever that worst he's such a douchebag Mm -hmm. biggest mustache of all in the movie actually. With his stupid dog, and his, he drank wine. By the way, at that field. He, did you say he like, drank his wine and like flicked the rest of it on the ground, mm-hmm. and like filled up his cup again. Just like the most gluttonous. disgust. Yeah. What a terrible person. Yeah. Anyways, he's giving this speech like, this city belongs to Germans. You're gonna go out for the front line and take them again. And they shot it from like a low angle shooting. It was very Hitler looking to me. Yeah. Like it was. It was reminiscent of a lot of photos you'll see of like Hitler preaching to a bunch of people. Hmm. Very aptly so. I think. Yeah. How did you feel about the the culmination the the conclusion of this movie with our main character? Dying? I think it's how it has to end. Yeah. Yeah, like <sighs> like that was that was the final piece of mm-hmm. the no heroes. No, it's it's puzzle. it's yeah. It's every yeah. It doesn't matter. Or is death, or is misery the person that you're attached to is probably not going to make it out. Nope. And everybody has everybody has a, po- a pocket full of a of a picture of their wife or their daughter or whatever. Every single person that died is is Paul. Mhm. And they are all dying. Yeah. And there's no reason. No. Crazy. Really executed well, making it feel like they were all kind of faceless and nameless, but mm-hmm. also very human and mm-hmm. had things and connections. I think it it struck a fine balance between those yep. two things. Yep. I think something that probably won't get talked about a ton with the dissection of this movie is the the importance or the, or the thematic weight, possibly, of the fact that one of our guys, I think his name is Kat, ends up getting killed by the farmer's son. Yeah. Like, you really think they're out of the woods. I, I guess he runs back into the woods, technically. Mm-hmm. But th- they're out of the woods, out of the fire, so to speak. Not at war. They've stolen some eggs, a very harmless thing, and they get away. And it's this joyous, cautiously joyous moment. And then the kid who sees his father fail to kill his enemy, mm-hmm. picks up his dad's gun and follows him in the forest and, and basically kills him. Mm-hmm. Tough, man. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, I think it's a testament to how strong the the perpetuation of, like, of violence is. And the narrative of violence is amongst, I think it's handed down from somebody. Yeah. The the one dude in high command is literally says like, my father, like he says, I'm a soldier. My father fought three wars. He never says like, I've fought ever. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've just missed my time. But he learned from his dad like that's what you should be. You should be a soldier. And like, there's a strong theme of like, yeah, like sons learning violence from their fathers. I think mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah committing violence just because it's what's passed down. Like we have to break the cycles and yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of allegory there. And like you said, it was a very heavy handed at times, but necessarily so. Mm -hmm. I mean, this movie, the old movie, the book, it seems like it all had a very clear and singularly minded message. And um, some punches don't need to be pulled. Yeah, man. And I think there's an interesting discussion to be had about the portrayal of violence in certain types of films. I love watching people murdered in John wick. It's so fun. Yeah. It's fiction mm-hmm. though. Death is real. They're shooting. They're not, it's not like they're shooting robots or something like those are people. The, the problem with a lot of war movies that are based on, on real events, nonfiction war movies is that a lot of them glorify that comment. They make, they make human beings, death, a spectacle and entertainment. And like there's slow-mo shots of like the hero winning. And I really admire this movie for not taking that route. And there's several other movies, in, in, even in American cinema, that have done that, but far and away, I think. And we're getting better over the last couple decades, but ugh, just so easy to be like, especially during wartime, like, no, go kill the Germans. We love doing that in America. It's great. We love like rooting people, like, go get them. And they turn into, like these long recruitment videos mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah. Anyways, you got anything else on this? powerful movie powerful Mm -hmm. powerful movie Mm -hmm. one that uh kind of sticks with you you'll yeah yeah so you're recommending it to people yeah i think so yeah yeah i think so too uh which is to double back on a point we've said a few times already today if you do see it um mainly talk to somebody but we would love if you talk to us we'd like to know your thoughts on this um and with that said i think it's time for another beer what do you think i could use a drink Johnny, what is beer number two? Midnight Rider. A song that I was not aware of, by the way. Yeah. I love that, tune. That's weird that I educated you on a song. (laughs) That shouldn't happen. Uh, Midnight Rider from Eel River Brewing Company is a West Coast double IPA that's 9% and 85 IBUs. Dear God. That's right. From the website, we read Midnight Rider is a bold and bright West Coast double IPA brewed with organic grains. When you're bound to keep on riding... You get that reference now. I do. it Actually, on the can, it started with two lines from the song, too, but nice. I guess they didn't put that on the website. Ah, oh, they should have. I know. Uh, read me that when I'm done. Uh, when you're bound to keep on riding, it's high gravity with resinous, fruity hop notes from Citra, Idaho 7, Mosaic, and Amarillo hops. And a little tidbit from our guy that I got the beers from. Tony? Yeah. The, um, I want to say album cover, the the beer label. Yeah, uh, sure. is actually like a mid 80s Toyota truck filled with Costco storage bins smuggling weed down from the mountains. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So, I mean, uh that whole area is, you know, the Emerald Triangle is the three oh, counties that are I see. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Sure, Humboldt. So, yeah. Uh what do you know the other two? Are the counties? They're, ca- they're yeah, counties, It's right? like Humboldt, Trinity, and mm, Mendocino. Yes. Yeah. Is, is that in Humboldt yeah. though? No, it's Mendocino County. It is. You're right. Okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that's the little backstory and, uh, they named it after the song and also like, you know, the midnight run, the midnight rider sure. smuggling. It's good times. Makes sense. Great. Well, right? the first two lines that were on there were just the first two lines of the song, which are when you got to run to keep from hiding. Such a good song. Okay. So, so, so 9% West coast, double IPA, right up your alley, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you've drank it. I have. You didn't make a weird face. You didn't make any face. I couldn't read it. So I have no transition from here. Johnny, ma, what'd you think of the beer? My, my, my poker. Yeah, Um <laughs> is a banger. Oh, good. I was very, very impressed. That's why you sang Poker Face. Yeah. Another banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna try it too. Um, what are you getting on your first impressions? You know, it's got this really nice bitterness that is just so there, but it's not overpowering. It just drinks so clean. It's a sneaky nine percent. Absolutely, it nice. is um, very well made double IPA. I mean, it is. It's resinous. It's bitter on the finish. It's got that dry, like mouth drying bitterness, but it's not unpleasant because it's got some sweetness, but it's not too sweet. Like nope. it, it's letting everything shine the right amount. And uh, I think it's killing it. It's, say. it's great. It's really good. This is what I was looking for in, in the first beer. This yeah. has the kind of, um, yeah, the kind of body to back up the bitterness. Cause it's still got that. It does have more sweetness too. But not a chance in hell, I would guess 9%. At most, I might have said eight. But yeah. if it drinks like a seven, seven and a half. It's got a lovely carbonation to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's big. It's bold, certainly. Um, there's a lot of piney resin going on. There's not a ton of bright citrus. So it feels heavy without being malty. I think just kind of the hoppiness is definitely more of a subtle, not subtle, um, sort of a rounded, muted kind of hoppiness right until the end where it's a bitter punch. Mm-hmm. But- um, overall, I think much more of a balanced drinking experience somehow. Because uh, on paper, that would not be the case compared to the first beer. Right. But I'm into it. And I do like the way the bitterness doesn't really assail you until the end. It's like really pleasant and it's like, it's bitter, but it's not there. It's not super pungently yeah. bitter. And then boom, there it is. And it's it's a bitterness that comes at the end that almost just makes you want to keep drinking more. It, it, it drinks almost like bungee jumping. I assume. I've never been. There's recoil? Well, sort of cuz cuz the bitterness does hit you at the end but imagine jumping off of a bridge with a bungee cord um and you you're experiencing this is a flavor analogy so you're you're experiencing it all the way down and right as your ropes tightening up there's your bitterness and it goes and then you shoot back up and then it kind of mellows out again at the end so you're just like dipping the tongue you're just right bitterness. right there yep a little bloop and then as, assuming you just keep drinking more as yep. I have been the bitterness is not caught up to me yet yeah at least in a, in an overpowering way a very nice beer i am yeah. honestly pleasantly surprised at how damn good this really is i appreciate gets. that honesty man um it's two weeks old that's something to point out it's uh, it was on october 21st today is november 9th so well, tony I, only brings the hot hot heat I suppose so i it bummed me out because emerald triangle didn't have a canning date it had uh it had something that used to be on the bottom i think it said batch something mm. but it's kind of all worn away so it's nice to know this one is super fresh. I yeah. assume so was the first one. Yeah. This is a beer that would definitely put Eel River on my radar if I wasn't super familiar with them. Like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna try this and like seek it out. Yes. Definitely makes me pay more attention. I so Eel River's not um far away from us. If you don't if you're not familiar with the layout of uh, California geography, it's about three and a half, four hours. Yeah. i bet you these are pretty affordable. Like Johnny said, these were donated to the show, but if you see them around town, my guess is they are about $6, maybe seven, maybe less. You think so? Yeah. They're pint cans, if we haven't said mm-hmm. that with this beer. Um, if you only want to get one of them, definitely get this one. For me, it's not close. This one is much better than the first. It's very good. Um, yeah. And I think definitely I would recommend people try this one. If you're a fan of big boy IPAs, big girl IPAs, big hefty IPAs, try it. Um, I like it a lot Pretty rarely do I find an IPA Particularly of a west coast variety That I will push for Um That is like You know I think stands above others When it comes to Well Whatever the case might be In this case um, Cleanness mm-hmm. Cleanliness Cleanliness I don't want to say that Because like, that's not what I'm trying to say It's next to clean, clean drinking experience Um yeah. with, with From basically from far, Fart Fart to end Hey man Start to end <laughs> Uh yeah. So I, I think definitely try to find it. I'm, I would like to get another one if we could. Yeah. If I could. I'm going to go get one is what I'm saying. There you go. Other people should do the same. It's actually not in the market yet, oh, Okay. it's coming. When? Do you know? Within the next month. Okay. So um, it'll be around. We're going to follow up with our friend Tony, mm-hmm. and we're going to find out when that will be. And if you're curious, uh, reach out and we can let you know. Um, definitely when to get them and possibly where to get 100 okay uh i was i had a revelation while you were speaking mm-hmm. uh, this beer reminds me so much of one of my favorite sierra nevada beers of all time that was discontinued called hot bullet i loved hot Bullet. tell me this doesn't have major hot bullet vibes it's too heavy for hot bullet yeah but, hot, but it has like a very similar profile if you don't remember and as long as i'm not conflating two beers hot Hop Bullet, I am conflating two beers. Sorry, let me readjust. That was discontinued. Yeah. Oh man, I loved Hop Bullet. Yeah, I know, right? What's the one with Hop Oil that I used Hopped to No, it was a different one. It was pretty short. I think Hop Bullet replaced it. Hop Hunter. Yeah. I loved Hop Hunter. It was around for like a year or two. Um, and it was much brighter than this. Hop Bullet, on the other hand, was 8%, maybe 8.2. Yeah, it was 8. a big 2. double IPA. Um, very akin to this. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, for sure. This has huge Hop bullet vibes. I, I would say sierra nevada's hot bullet was slightly mustier slightly dustier, mm-hmm. slightly heavier Earthier. yeah more 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 of a more of a heavy blanket on top of your palate than this this one's Boom. way <laughs> this one's uh way brighter more floral yeah sure. um i wish there was a little more citrus going on i like i want i you're saying brighter but i, I want more bright flavor the mm-hmm. body is very light and bright even yeah but i want i just want a little more punch um and a little bit more of an assertive flavor stance from a particular flavor. I want more citrus. I like how smooth it is. And I do too. And it's not I just do too. like nothing. I like that, that it is subdued and it's not like nothing is punching out. Like, I mean, maybe just put some lime juice in it. I'm not doing that. Well, no. Then. No. All no. Right. Look, y- no. You can't do that. You got, At least in terms of a discussion for rating the quality yeah. of the beer preference. You can't like add Skittles to the bottom. No. Um, at the very least, I think we both agree it comes down to preference on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like it to be a little bit more citrusy and I still think it's very good the way it is yeah I like it I love the smoothness uh, no real sharp edges I love the level of bitterness to sweetness it's very well put together okay, I would great. recommend two thumbs way up um, do you have any other thoughts on Midnight Rider or should we give it a rating well I think you should drink it and for me it's gonna be like an 8-3 okay 8-3 is a great score for me man it's a 9
1: it's yeah, a yeah boy good beer.
0: Uh, let's maybe sip on this as we uh, as we transition into hot and bothered. Do you got anything else? Uh, no, let's do it. This is hot and bothered. The section of our show where we talk about what's got us hot and/or bothered. I'm Max Minardi. That's your other host, Johnny Summers. Welcome to it. Yeah, man. That was stupid. <laughs> that was like 38 percent energy. I started as like a game show host and ended as a disenfranchised uh, car salesman. Fucking, I was gonna say like a steel mill worker, but Here's yeah, sure. You can fucking waste bullshit. Uh, okay, <laughs> you first, man. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of things going on, some good, some somber, whatever. Give me, give me somber um, first. Today was, yesterday, as we record this, Yes, was the four-year anniversary of the campfire. Sure. Kind of came out of nowhere. I forgot about it until I picked up the paper that morning. Never forget. And it was, uh, yeah, never surrender. Yeah. It was, <laughs> 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 never surrender to, to fire. fire. <laughs> um, oh, sure. Yeah, it was a, a stark uh, slap in the face reminder of, you know, the day that nature tried to kill me with fire four years ago and uh yeah, relived some stuff, talked some stuff out, had some drinks, had some good conversations. So mm-hmm. it was it was a mixed bag of emotion, but it was uh led to some good conversations that needed to happen, so. Great. Yeah, just acknowledge that, Dude, I suppose. Yeah, we met we um we recorded, you and I did. Um right, we I mean, I don't think we stopped, did we? No. We uh, I mean, we can we can discuss it a little bit here. We did um I believe we covered resilience, the mm-hmm. IPA that Sierra Nevada put out. Uh, in in not tribute. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, in an effort to raise funds yes. yeah. for people that were affected by the campfire. It's a tough time, man. It was a, it was a really strange time to be in Chico. The town's changed a lot since then. Yeah, um, yeah. Some for better, some for worse. But I think a lot of we we developed a lot of close relationships with people. We had a bar hang like the at next Secret week. Trail the I think next it week, was. and was that the week that we quote unquote brewed a beer with them? Or am I am I mixing up two times? No, I think it was. It was right around then. I remember having the feeling of all of us getting together and it was smoky out and it looked mm-hmm. like the apocalypse and, and we all just, you know, got a pretty good buzz going. Yeah. Um, talking about being grateful to still be around and mm-hmm. most of us, you know, having lost yeah. some stuff. But Dude, I like vaguely even have memories of like the whole week after that. It was like going from yeah. such a trauma and like the physical like survival mode that I was in to like recording. I remember vaguely mm-hmm. talking about it and I remember being at the bar hang, but yeah, that whole like month was blurry yeah was weird time fucking weird uh put a real damper on my birthday I'll tell you that <laughs> oh, people shit. did not want to celebrate me i think that was <laughs> the point at which i started forgetting your birthday that makes sense you got a, you got a four-year pass okay and it's well, over that has been revoked so happy early birthday appreciate that man but anyways yeah that's worth mentioning worth throwing out to the universe that's a thing and uh we're still here yes so on to less somber more jovial more fun more yeah. entertaining things that i've been doing Uh, Two things. One, I am seven episodes into Andor, the Disney Plus original series, which is a prequel to the prequel that is Rogue One. You don't mean Andor? You mean Andor? Andor. What's Andor? Andor is a prequel to the prequel that was Rogue One. I mean, what is it? What is It is is a series that follows Cassian, the main character from Rogue One. Were one of the main characters. She was also pivotal. But remember Cassian? No. Like the, um, pull up the right. uh, the cast of of Andor. The point You're, is, you don't remember Cassian either. <laughs> no, he was like the main guy in what in Rogue One. In sorry, you said that, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's just like all backstory on him leading oh, right, up and right, kind right, of right, like. Right, right the how the rebellion started and it's all like what led up to rogue one okay to close the loop for people that don't have their computers uh cassian is an this is wikipedia or i think it's actually wikipedia excuse me hey that's not even me it's a real website an accomplished alliance intelligence officer with combat field experience captain cassian Andor commands respect whatever blah blah that's his name Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah okay a very very good science fiction show it is mm. definitely geared towards adults this is not a family disney show i okay. would say even more so than the mandalorian or uh, book of fett um andor is very much a spy intrigue dystopian science fiction story okay really into it we've watched 7 episodes so far two more to go in the first season but i'm endorsing the show pretty heavily endorsing endorsing come on man all right <laughs> it's two cheese man two uh, cheese i'm lactose all right, intolerant. Good. nice um i'm not gonna watch this i don't care i don't care about it and i don't mean that to, i didn't mean to respond to what you just said by <laughs> yeah, negating everything fucking but, rude dude but uh i believe that it's good um i will say that it's good not just because it's star wars uh, I think you could watch this in any setting or any universe and it would be an intriguing show with good character development okay, and good espionage and good, uh, there's some heist type situations. I, like, I like yeah. heisty stuff. Yeah. So it's not hinging on the fact, it's not leaning or relying on the fact that it's a Star Wars property. A little it has to be. Not much. Like there's droids and there's laser guns and that's kind of about it. I mean, yeah, you're leaning on the fact that it's like there's a rebellion brewing and there's an empire, but it's not the scope of, there's no Jedis. Okay. There's no, you know. So Rogue One came out. We both like Rogue One, by the Mm -hmm. way. A lot of people didn't, Um, but I thought it was great. But still, I think what Rogue One did, I could be wrong, which would be a testament to the point you're making. But I still think even in that movie, and I would guess somewhere in this show, is the Out of the blue, does that happen or not? Not once. Cool. Okay. Um, Then great. I I mean, I I like the nostalgia associated with Star Wars and I think like getting to see some of that again is cool, Um, but I'm over it at this point. Like it was cool for some of the, the new trilogy. Awesome. It was fun to revisit that and like really soak in Star Wars. But if it's doing its own thing and it happens to be in that universe, great. Better, I think. Yep, I'm just a bigger nerd than you are. Well, I'm not sure if that's true. I just finished my 28-hour audiobook on high fantasy about vampires. So. Well, no, it's it's a not all, it's not a book about high fantasy. It's a high fantasy novel. I guess I guess you win this. That's true. So I think that's worth I like high fantasy books, too. Yeah. So I told you to send me a link. I, well, I'm going to do it now. That's so while you're talking um, about your other things. Yeah, the other thing is – Fucking, quite frankly, the, like, I almost didn't come tonight. Well, You're, I'm so glad you did. Me too. So is everyone listening. Me too. You're lucky I'm here, because today is like my Christmas. Today is the day that the new God of War game dropped. Okay. God of War Ragnarok, the sequel to simply titled God of War, <laughs> uh, won in a long series of God of War games, most of which happened in uh, ancient Greece. In case there was any debate still up about who's the bigger nerd, I think you've won. And this one actually... Is a sequel to God of War, and uh, if you're on the PlayStation side of existence, uh, I don't think it's... No, it's always been a PlayStation exclusive. Anyways. It's um, on PC too, right? I'm pretty sure it's a PC. Game. Okay. That makes sense. But it's not on Xbox. No. So, um, yeah, God of War was one of my favorite games all time, for sure. I replayed the whole thing, just finished it three, I th- three nights ago uh in anticipation and since then i've been playing it for a couple hours every night trying to 100 percent it before the new one comes out what kind of what do you mean 100 percent? is it like a side quest kind of game where there's like oh yeah different it's quests? Uh, it's an open world it action is? rpg a la I, skyrim i thought it was a linear kind of thing all of them have been in the past oh. this one can be linear and very follow the path hmm but once you get to a certain point, you open up this area where you can travel to different places uh-huh. and open up the ability to quick travel. And there's side quests all over the place. There's lots of things you can do outside Sweet. of the main story. All right, cool. So it's a lot of fun. Really digging it. It's like, God, it's like Borderlands meets Skyrim without guns. That sounds fun. Yeah. 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 Have you, you haven't played it at I'm all. familiar. I've played like, I've, no, but a little. Like I've played, it, I swear I've played it somewhere. Yeah. Is it on Switch or any of them on, oh, you know what it is? Here it is. Do you want to guess? You played it on like. No. No. Um, Kratos is a character in a game. Super Smash. It might be Super Smash. It, it also is. might be Mortal Kombat. I think he was in both actually. I've played him in both of those. All right. So like I know he's got his like chain, chody sword, knife things. Yeah. Which are probably cool in the real game, but in, in those games he seems kind of lame. Yeah. They're but. much cooler in the real sure. game. Uh, and in the newest iteration, it's actually, uh, he's living in Midgard. So uh, in the realm of of uh, Odin, yeah. Loki, Thor, sure. all those, that. Those homies. In um, like first 20 minutes of the game previous, he actually does combat with uh, Baldur, one of the sons of Thor. Baldur, yeah. yeah. Really good stuff. All and right. uh, I am such a nerd. In this one, yeah, go. he's got a giant battle axe that looks exactly like the one that you have. I have a battle axe? Yeah. Your big axe that you I have. I have a big axe? Yeah. No, I've, I've held it. How big is it? Oh, that's my little axe. Your little axe. yeah It's a yeah. good size axe. It's a fine. Yeah. I want that. Oh, we don't have or to Or something <laughs> like it. But <laughs> it's anyways, a great axe. That axe was imbued with the power to return to him when he throws it. A la Thor's right. hammer. Yeah. Combat engine in this is fucking fantastic. I bet. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh so, anyways. That sequel came out and I will probably be done with it by next week. Let's be real. What's the gameplay time look like for something like that? Uh, Just if, like a storyline. If the story you line. simply hammer out storyline, I've heard anywhere between 30 and 70 hours. That's, that's a big a difference, big dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've been told to avoid spoilers and review videos at all costs because yeah. very pivotal. I'm sure. Um, so I'm guessing probably in the area of 40 hours. Do you have 40 hours of free time between now and next week? going to make it. Okay, I'll remember that next time you tell me you can't watch Minuscule Valley the last time. I already watched it. I know you did. We got to talk about that too. Uh, I already talked about it. No. Yep. I'm sure that's not right. I reviewed it in one of our last three episodes. No, you didn't. Yes, sir, I did. I don't think that's true. Okay. Because I edit these things, man. I don't think that happened. Dude, it was in Hot and Bothered. We'll find out mm-hmm. if someone will maybe tell us. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but anyways, okay. I, I, I'm i going to play the shit out of it. I already have like my Saturday until 5 p.m. blocked off. Nice. All right. Oh, you start you start early. You don't plan like the end of your night. You go. You have plans Saturday night. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Uh, anything else you got, dude? No. All right. That's I all. have. Well, um, I mean, yeah, but no. Sure. I have three things. Uh, one, because I already mentioned it, is an audio book that I just finished was recommended to me by my friend Jules. It's called Empire of the Vampire by an author named Jay Kristoff. I have it on audiobook because I drive a lot, particularly this past week. Um, it's, it's, I think it's like 28 hours. It's pretty long. But it's high fantasy about a world where the sky has turned dark and vampires have started uh, sort of taking over and breeding and creating half-breed people um, that are known as palebloods. And some of those palebloods have become part of an organization called the Silver Saints, including our main character, Gabriel de Leon. What do the Silver Saints do? They fight darkness, dude. Okay. Like they fight dark. Yeah. So they they're fight ha- vampires. They're half vampires. So vampires here are, are. there's been so many iterations of vampires, right? Um, this is the traditional sense of a vampire. They are like part demonic. There's, there's a lot of like religious stuff here. Like like the silver saints are like, there's a lot of Catholicism here. Okay. Um, and it's like, it's like the power of God versus the devil sort of thing. And like the, the vampires are the devils on earth. And, and then the silver saints are the conduits of God. And they, get freaking tattoos with silver in the ink so they glow when there's evil around. That's, it's super super cool. That's such a rip off of a book I read. There's a lot of rip offs in in this actually series, quite a bit. But shout out Dennis McKiernan. All right, nice. And uh, Sting from Lord of the Rings. Of course Sting. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you said from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um now did you think musician or wrestler? No, I thought oh when when I think about Sting, mm-hmm. no, I think musician. Okay. Do you think wrestler? A little bit. I think I, grew, I think, I grew up watching wrestling. No, I think Dune. Oh, that's for Chris. That's fair. Anyways, um, the, the story is told through flashbacks. Gabriel is currently a, not an old guy, but an older gentleman. And he's being held hostage by another vampire who is a historian. So he's getting his life's tale for his master. Um, so you get to experience him sort of becoming who he was and like training in his monastery and then going on adventures. There's magic, there's rules to the world. There's love, there's loss, there's violence. It's fucking great. I love it it's it's so good and if the universe has any sense of karma you probably won't read it or you won't read it for very long or for, for a long time because i i took some convincing and i put it off for a while and i'm if jules ever hears this i'm really sorry i should have i should have done it immediately it's so good and and the cruel reality of the universe is that i can tell you this and we've we done this i can tell you you'll love this thing if you just do it, you'll love it. It'll make your life better. You'll be See, happier. You've got a very, very good chance at me reading this very quickly because okay. you're recommending something in a category that I already love. Totally. like That's true. That's easy. Like you would love this horror movie. Every time you've done that, yes. I've watched it immediately. Yeah. It's. It took me about four hours to sink in. It's fair. A lot of fantasy books, especially high fantasy, mm-hmm. it, it does. It takes you a hundred pages or yeah. so. it's also French based. Not that not the language that the book is read in, but like the soup. Sure, <laughs> there. No, like, um, like the like like his name's Gabriel de Leon. There's people that are named. I didn't get the joke. It's a bouillabaisse. base. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> um, a lot of French stuff. Like chevalier, the word gets thrown around a lot. It means knight. Like knight. Uh, K. Ch- yeah, chivalry. Right. Um, which is crazy because i never heard that word before. Mm. And then when I drove to Spokane for this convention I went to, I met somebody whose last name was Chevalier. Whoa. Which is to say I went to a convention in Spokane. That's the world coming together like a pair of It was cheeks. awesome. Um, so that was fun. I don't want to talk too much about that, but I do want to mention on my way home, I went to this hot spring I've been trying to go to for years. Where they make oatmeal. Yeah, I'm um, qua hot springs, and my friend Brian and I. You know, you know Brian, uh, Massa? Yeah, I know yeah, him. Yeah. Um, he and I tried to go years ago, 2018, in my minivan, and it was the middle of March, uh, in in the mountains of Oregon. It was a snowstorm, we spun out, almost drove off a cliff. It was crazy. The mountain one,
1: you this almost time, slipped off a
0: cliff. Sure, that's true. I did on this trip. I almost slipped off a cliff. It was treacherous, um, but I made it. I made it to the hot springs. Um goddamn hiking boots. It was a, yeah. I have hiking boots, but I didn't plan on going to this hot spring. But I drove by and and I saw the mountain squinting at me with 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 mockery. Mm-hmm. I said, today the mountain loses. Not today. And I mountain. win. Um so I walked to th- I well, it was snowed in, like the gate was closed. So I had to walk three miles through not deep snow, but snow in jeans and like tennis shoes. As a person that's met you. Yeah. You should just keep hiking boots in your car. I agree, but it's a new car. Usually I have supplies in my in a old bag. car. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. little go bag. Um, and I will from now on. But it was a really great trip. Um, took some fun photos, documented the whole thing. I enjoyed them. Uh, if you're not following, at Max Minardi on Instagram. Yeah. Right? a music Bernardi on music. the end? Yeah, yep. it's all good. Um, but it was super nice, uh, and I really want to go back. It was awesome. Hot Springs. Mm-hmm. Were they- Temperately hot? Were they uncomfortably hot? I've never been in a natural hot spring. Let me show you a photo real quick that nobody else can benefit from, but it'll help you conceptualize is it. Is this not on your Instagram? Um, No. No. So it is on your Instagram. This was not on my Instagram. Um, You can kind of see here. Oh uh, my God, that's your wiener. <laughs> well played. Well, you can't really tell. But Where is it? Basically, the, the hot springs cascade down the mountain. There's probably like eight pools, maybe okay. nine. And the top one, uh, is the hottest, and, and they, it kind of feeds the rest. Okay. So they get colder as you go. There were five people there when I showed up. Um, I know I know for a strong fact, one guy was definitely naked. I had a hunch three other people were naked, and one person had had at least a top on. Who knows about the bottom? That was a lady. Um, Because all the other guys were also, uh, they were topless, of course. That'd be weird. It weren't. would be strange. Some people do that. Whatever. Yeah, it's true. So anyways, there was like two couples, and- They were in their own pool, and they were like, if this is the top pool, there was one guy, and he was doing his own thing. I was like, I can't go near him because it's like a quiet, serene place. These people were over here a little bit to the right and down, and these people were to the left and down. These two to the left were making out. This guy over to the right was giving his girlfriend a massage like like a neck rub. It was very nice. They were like looking out at the snow falling on the river. It was lovely, but I was like, this is not my business. I had to go to the lower pools. And as I have mentioned, I was not – I didn't come prepared. So I, I had no option. I was getting in naked no matter what. The way that the hot springs are laid out is such that the top maybe five pools, one, two lower, two lower, they're all kind of on the same level. Like you can see people's like shoulders. But the next ones down are pretty low. So I felt comfortable getting naked down there. What I didn't think to do was check the temperature first. So I got naked, hung up my stuff. It was snowing, like raining, snowing, somewhere in between. So my shit's getting wet, but I have like a kind of waterproof jacket over Brian's camera. I took that because I was not take photos. Then there were naked people. I thought maybe don't take their photos without asking. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I get in this pool and the pools like at best, the good ones are like three and a half feet deep. They're awesome. The ones towards the bottom are like a foot and a half deep. Oh, and like, you know, like a pool should be like a bowl. Mm-hmm. The shape. The ones down there are like this shape (laughs) it's a crevasse it's like you can kind of fit but i got in i was like i came all this way i'm gonna do it so i scrounged in there's like dirt floating into me i can feel it creeping in from the bottom and i'm like trying to be like i'm trying to relax because i came here i'm like i'm gonna relax Mm -hmm. and it's terrible it's like not cold so this is to answer your question it's not cold It's like tepid it's like slightly colder than what would be in this room room temperature oh and it's like 30 one degrees outside so now i'm cold and wet in basically cold water in a puddle i'm in a puddle yeah and i'm like this isn't right so then i was like i just have to go up so then i did the kind of cover your junk
1: Mm
0: -hmm. kind of wave to people like i'm not trying to invade your space but that pool sucks and then i got in on this other one like one down from the couple but your own pool my own pool it was a little bit deeper a little more cozy um i took a photo of it that's what's on my instagram and it was probably like it was probably like 80 degree water that's better it was nice it wasn't like hot tub it wasn't boiling the people up top the guy that had the tub to his own was probably just like i I don't think i would have left if that was my tub so i stayed for like 15 20 minutes i didn't bring a towel of course so i dried off with my t-shirt uh put on my jeans which were already wet and soaked through and then i trudged out which was going to be three miles but i caught a ride with some elk hunters who drove a jeep i literally stuck my thumb up and i was so polite they had to say yes obviously so that helps i think i might have frozen my feet off had i not gotten that ride yeah that was the hot springs we should go it'd be awesome it's super well fun. <laughs> you really sold it effectively we just i got there too late you know we gotta get there early enough to claim a spot there's so, a lot of things that would have gone differently name one shoes oh yeah well, if we plan it we're gonna do a lot of stuff differently yeah, yeah of course towels, towels. snacks oh, great idea waterproof jacket. snacks Champagne. water of course Fuck we, wa- I drink fuck water. I drink champagne when champagne I'm thirsty down the shit, the spouts that kind of feed the other pools. People are like, what is this? It's not yeah. as sulfury as it was. Right. So I think very, not super sulfury, but like, you know, it's a hot spring. Yeah. You don't know. Hot springs are sulfury. I've driven near them, like on highway 70 and sure. I've, I've smelled of quaffed the yeah. aroma. Um. Very lastly, I said, I had three things I downloaded. A, Cause I want to piggyback off your video game thing. I downloaded a VR game where you get to be Iron Man, which is pretty slick. It was fun. I got it last night. I was sleep deprived because it's been a long week. But I was like, this looks fun. So Instead of sleeping, played video games. Well, yeah. You're not going to fault me for that. I'm sure. Uh, No, I respect it. It was like 40 bucks, which is not a lot, I guess, for a video game. Like how much was God of War? 60. Yeah. Um, and I played it for probably 45 minutes and there's so far been three chapters. It's fucking cool. You fly and then like the chapter appears in the sky. But it's like presents Iron Man VR. So set the um, stage a little bit because you're playing on Oculus. Yeah. So you've got the headset and two handheld controllers. Mm-hmm. So the way that the game starts is that you're standing kind of in Tony Stark's um, workshop area. Uh, oh, no, that's not even true. Sorry. You're you're like out on a cliff and then you have to like summon. You know how like in some of the Iron Man movies, like he'll stick out his arm and, like one will go like phoom, yeah. and it'll hit him and then phoom, it's always fun. You get hit. So you can feel it in your hand and your head because it's got vibration stuff. And then you learn to fly. So you put your little hands down like he does in the first movie. He's like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. you squeeze the triggers and it psh, propels you, pro- propels, propels you. Um, and you can also shoot little beams. So you get a whole flight tutorial, a little energy blast tutorial. And in the second chapter, I've gotten another weapon. And there's a whole heads up display that you can go to where you can like add other weapons like customize dude that's fun i downloaded a star wars game and it was pretty much a straightforward playthrough it lasted like an hour and that was 40 bucks so it's kind of what i expected but it seems like the game is more involved in that so i'm really excited nice um it's so cool to be able to like and the graphics are like gamecube graphics okay a little better than that acceptable totally fine it actually feels nostalgic somehow so it's nice. Like futuristic nostalgia. Yeah. It's your next album title. It's not a bad, it's a good, I think it's a good band name. Future nostalgia. Yeah. It's that Bruno Mars album. Um, Solid Gold. No, before that. I'm not going to think of it. Somebody might. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's what I've been doing, kind of. I like it. Yeah. Uh, send me a link to that game.
1: So I'm the,
0: sorry, the book. I did. And we will get out of here. Okay. Um, as usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Check out the slick handlebar happy hour. Uh, It's seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m., dollar off draft beers. Please support us on Patreon if you are so inclined. And big thanks to everybody already on there. For the last time of the evening, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Be sure to drink some good beers, play some fun video games, and hug your pets. Most importantly, be good to each other. We'll see you next week.
1: is fresh hop cinema